Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. I'm sitting here with Victoria Olson. Victoria, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thrilled. I'm thrilled to be here. I can tell. It's been, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. You actually uh, reached out to me saying, like, get me on this show. I want to be interviewed. I did say that. I said, Mark, why am I not on the show? And now you are. So Here I am. it's actually really good. So for those listeners, I've known Victoria for years. Um, she runs Expand Mentoring out of Boulder, Colorado, which is a fantastic organization that mentors young adults primarily, right? Helping them with kind of... Adolescents, young adults, adults too. Yeah, people that you know need a little bit extra help that you know maybe failure to launch or maybe struggling with early sobriety or with mental health issues. Um, your company is amazing because you really offer wraparound services that go into people's lives. You know, it's very different from the work that I do as a therapist, where people come into my office. Your mentors go into their lives, go into their apartments, go into take them grocery shopping, go hiking, all that stuff. That's right. We do all of it. We do almost everything except manual labor. <laughs> so for help them clean up their houses um, or move. Um, move but no, it's, that's right. It's, it's, it's incredible. But what really attracted me about you, I think why we've kicked it off, is that we have a similar story around getting sober but not wanting to stop partying, not wanting to stop having fun. And you're right. one of those people that you have so many great stories. I'm sure we'll hear about going to different raves and going to Burning Man and having like being a social hub for your sober community that was really inspiring to me because I was like, man, I want to I want to be like her when I grow up. I, I want to keep the fun happening because as I'm sure you know, there's so many people in the recovery community that can get just kind of like sour. I guess, right? Or just kind of burnt out or, or, in my opinion, like way too serious about it. And they lose the joy. They're just kind of tightly gripping on to this, this thing, right? Uh, it's like teetotaling type mentality. Mm -hmm. Well, they have this idea that you can't have fun if you're not drinking or using. So you have to find all the new ways to have fun or to ex have new experiences when you, um, from when you were using and start having those experiences uh, sober. Right. And I, I know for me, and I'm sure we'll hear from you that that was a challenge, right? To be in some of these environments that are pushing drugs and alcohol, right? I mean, it's a huge part of those environments. Um, and I'm curious to see how you navigated that. So without further ado, Victoria, what is your From the Ashes story? Can you tell people a little bit about uh, when you were in there, uh, those environments and you were drinking, you were kind of living that party lifestyle? Oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, I started drinking when I was 14 and drank as an alcoholic from the from the very moment I started drinking, uh, really blacked out drunk. And, uh, you know, and that was my definition of, of fun back then. Um, you know, and I, I got sober when I was, I want to say I was about 36. So I drank for a really long time. Um, but even when I was drinking, I did do a lot of things. I was very social. I would go out and I would do things and I would see music and, you know, sporting events and, you know, you know all the things that young people do. Uh, but, you know, when I got sober, which was, again, when I was, I think, 36, um, I still wanted to have fun. And it was really hard to figure out, like, what it is that I wanted to do, what looked fun, what didn't look fun. And like a lot of people in that start out in recovery, I hid for a long, I hid for a while and really tried to figure out like, where is it that I can focus my energy where I can still have a life and I wasn't uh, just dead for the rest of my life. It felt really important to find ways to be in the world and have relationship and do things that I enjoyed. Uh, and it was hard, I'm not gonna lie, it, it was hard. And, uh, you know, and with, with finding those things, um, I also had to find ways of being able to be there and to feel centered and grounded and supported. But, 
you know, some of the things that I have always, I have found for myself is I'm really into, I'm really into music. Uh, and specifically, I'm really into DJs. And uh, even being as old as I am at this point, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of old. It's, I have found, not that old, but not that uh, old. <laughs> not that old. <laughs> I'm old enough that I'm like the old person at the mm-hmm. music, at the music festival. Um, but I, I really found that when I was sober, I had to ex- go experiences all experience, all these new ways of being. I had to put myself out there and uh, try new things, even though uh, they were they could be really uncomfortable. Um, and, and so finding those things, uh, you know, I had to rally the troops and rally my new friends and really get people on board with trying to do things that were different and trying to do things that they weren't necessarily used to doing um, or things that they were used to doing when when they were drinking. Uh, and that's a that's a big challenge because that can be so incredibly triggering. Um, and I remember in early sobriety, there were times where I would walk into um, different venues and uh, just be really triggered. And I could stay for thirty minutes or you know an hour until I had to go, and I had to be really comfortable with the idea of of leaving. Um, but some of the things that I knew about that is I always had to make sure that I had an exit plan in place. And I still do that to tell you the truth, uh, even being almost 12 years sober at this point, um, I really had to, I still have to make sure that I have things in place for myself that, um, to feel like I'm not trapped somewhere. Uh, if, if I do get, if people are getting too drunk or people are getting, are, are too messed up because that can be, um, that can be part of the story. <laughs> um, and so, you know, uh, like I said, music is such a, a big thing for myself and, and my partner, my husband, um, that some of the things that we do is we, uh, we make sure we always have a drink, meaning uh, we both have like our drink that we go to when we go out. Uh, for me, it's Diet Coke. <laughs> which is which is pretty funny because I'm not necessarily a, a soda drinker, um, but I like a, a, to have something in my hand and be able to have that. So I feel a little bit more part of the crowd and I'm not standing there with nothing. Um, my husband, he happens to drink, uh, his drink is Red Bull, which he also doesn't drink out, outside of going out. Uh, one of the things that we're really known for uh, within our group of friends who uh, who laugh at us all the time is we're always going out with uh, Tootsie Roll Pops, <laughs> which uh, we look like little ravers that are like sucking on these <laughs> <laughs> on these Tootsie yeah. Roll yeah. Tootsie Roll Pops because it gives us something to do with our hands. Um, you know, w- when we're out, if we're not feeling, you know, you can only drink so many Diet Cokes in a, in a night, realistically. So, um, you know, and so we've been lucky enough to really find our niche in the DJs that we go see and uh, the festivals that we go to. We're regular burn, uh, regular goers of, of Burning Man. My husband has been to Burning Man uh, probably 12 times. I've been four in all four of the times I've gone. I have been so I've been sober. Um, I've actually never gone to Burning Man uh, using Good thing too, because I would have been a, I would have been a hot mess. You would have went real into it. <laughs> I would have gotten really into it, um, and probably caused a lot of a lot of trouble for myself, actually. Um, but you know, the great thing about uh, going to Burning Man is there was always a community of people there that aren't aren't doing the drugs and aren't always drinking. And I always uh, tell people, because people ask all the time, how do you do that? How do you go to Burning Man? Because so many people about know about, or they think they know about Burning Man. It's this huge party where everybody's doing drugs all the time and everybody's messed up all the time. And there is a certain level of truth to that. And there's a certain level of truth to, there's an enormous amount of art 
And there's an enormous amount of um, communities where you go and do interactive things like um, race car driving, sort of pedal pedal cart driving, or um, you know bashing each other with um, at the Deaf Guild bashing each other with what are those big things called, Mark? <laughs> oh, I want to say like pom poms, but it's, it's like in, a, in like the Thunderdome thing, right? Yes, where you like yeah. you like fight with giant Q-tips. <laughs> yeah, basically, right? But who doesn't have fun doing that, especially when they're sober? <laughs> you know, you can really bash bash people. So you really coordinate. You can really get a good hit on them. <laughs> you really can because probably yeah. whoever you're fighting is probably pretty messed up. Yep. So you can really beat the crap out of somebody. Um, and so and you ride your bike around and you, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, be seeing that we're sober, we're not going out looking for the, the mess. We're not going out looking for where all the people are hanging out that they're, uh, messed up or, um, where all the people we're not going in, into the bars at, at Burning Man per se. I mean, in real life, we are, we do go into the bars, but we're not typically going to a bar to hang out at a bar. We're going to a bar to go see music or we're going to the bar to have food um, with our friends for happy hour. And uh, we drink a lot of coffee too. Our friends are always laughing at us because we drink so much coffee and we're drinking coffee at like six or seven o'clock at night. but that we found that that really helps us in terms of being able to be out and be in the world and to party, if you, as, as Mark likes to say. Um, so it's really finding those things. What do you do, Mark, for fun? All kinds of stuff. I mean, I mean, when I go to the, in the party scene, I, I do raves too, right? I, I've been to Burning right. Man. Yeah. I like enjoy, I, I enjoy like warehouse electronic music. Right, like mm-hmm. kind of like the grungy, dirty, just like kind of sketchy type things. Where it's you know? really dark and the headliner comes on at two in the morning. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I mean that's a lot of what I did in Pittsburgh when I was using. And it was just let me say, I mean, here's what I think about I'm curious what you think about this. I saw the scene differently when I got sober. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it went from being like, there was kind of a wave, like going from being a place of extreme joy and freedom for me when I was using to, there was this period in the middle where I saw like the darkness in it, right? Like I Mm -hmm. saw the loneliness, I saw the sadness, I saw the disconnection, but then overwork, you know, with my therapist and just by practicing too, right? Like I found joy in it again, you know, of, of being like, oh wait, okay. Like, yes, there is the darkness. It's not like as good as I thought it was when I was high all the time. It's not as bad as I thought it was when I was sober, but it's still pretty fun. It is pretty fun. It is pretty fun. And, you know, what's interesting about that is uh, there's a period of time, especially when you go do something like that, where it is really fun and you still have a really good time and you can really connect with people and the music is really good. And for us, there tends to be a switch being sober. There tends to be a switch at some point in the night. And I always know when it is one, I'm tired because, you know, I'm not doing drugs or drinking anymore. So I'm tired and I want to go home, but uh, there tends to be um, a, a period where we see like all the people are getting a little bit more messed up and a little bit more disconnected and it for us it tends to be about 1 a.m 1 a.m 1 15 i always know i i'm like yeah, 15 oh, minute my, window yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm like it's 1 15 everybody's really messed up that means it's probably time for us to go home and uh, we always make sure that we have a car always or a way to get home if you don't have a car bus or whatever but we always drive um, our friends even talk about like you guys always drive would let us drive and i'm like no Mm-mm. No, I always drive or my husband actually always drives, but the two of us always make sure that we have a car. Um, so it's really fun. You know, our, our friends even um, think that they always talk about how much fun we have. And I think sometimes we have even more fun than people that, uh, than people that are using um, because the, we're still able to connect and we're still able to have conversations with people. And I, I remember them 
you know, and I can look into your eyes and it's not hollow. And I know that you're with me and you're here with me. And that's what some of the things that I really appreciate about being sober and partying and being out in the world. Um, so it is, it's a lot of fun, but, and it's just about going and finding your niche. And for us, it, it was music and it still is, it still is music. Yeah, no, I had the same thing. I mean, it was a real point of pride. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's still a point of pride for me to go harder at a show sober than people that are drunk. And it was a big like obstacle for me to overcome, right? To be okay dancing, to be okay in my body, to be okay with how I look. I mean, all that kind of self-consciousness shit that comes up with dancing and to be there and just to be like, no, I'm here. Like I'm owning the dance floor. I don't care if I look like an idiot, but I'm able to do this without, you know, lowering my inhibitions through alcohol or drugs. Like that's, that's something I'm really proud of actually about myself. Absolutely. I can't necessarily go harder than people because I'm too tired, but I can. My, uh, the thing about dancing and not caring about what you look like and just being you is something that we've learned so much about yeah. in our sobriety is like, how do, can we be uncomfortable in our own skin? Mm-hmm. Totally. So we're going to move into our commercial break, but I want to talk more about that, about confidence, you know, being self-conscious, overcoming anxiety. I think a lot of people that are listening can relate to that. So let's move into our commercial break. Uh, We'll catch you on the other side. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. Are you disenchanted by the saccharine-laced stories that you were told when you were younger? Behind every success, there is a hidden journey filled with triumph and defeat. On From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay, you'll hear about the challenges that our guests had to overcome to become the successful people that they are today. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm sitting here with Victoria Olson, and we're talking about partying sober. You know, um, so it makes me think this is something I'm maybe a little bit deeper on my end. So for me, right, I had a lot of body image issues growing up. You know, I was a chunky kid. I didn't think I looked attractive. I had really low self-esteem. I was, you know, painfully shy, like to the point, I remember this, I, I couldn't buy something from a store, right? I couldn't do like a scripted interaction with somebody, like let alone have a real conversation. Like I was just so folded in on myself. And a lot of that was related to to my body. So, you know, going to the rave scene and actually quite frankly, taking MDMA, right. And feeling safe, right. Feeling that that chemical safety or that chemical kind of trauma work um, was really, really powerful for me. 
of all of a sudden, I mean, of course it was fake and it was a drug, but having that anxiety and that fear just be, you know, for that night, just be lifted. And to just have this experience of like, whoa, I don't have to feel so self-conscious all the time. I can actually be more expansive. And that was one of the things in my early sobriety, my early therapy that I got like emotional about with my therapist of like, I don't want to lose that feeling because that feeling was so meaningful to me, you know, and it was like, you're saying I got to be sober and I know I got to be sober, but I don't want to lose how I feel, you know, when, when NDMA feels good, right? Like, like I don't want to lose that feeling of, of abandon and safety and um, just confidence that I didn't feel throughout my life. So it was a big part of my um, recovery to, to keep that feeling, right? To have that feeling in a natural way and to have that feeling in a, in a real way. And where I feel that the most, even today, is, is dancing. You know, is being at these raves and being part of the massive humanity and listening to music that just inspires me to move. Um, no matter if I, I don't, I don't know if I'm good at dancing, but I love it, you know? And that's, um, that's really, that was really meaningful to me to be able to just capture that. And like I was saying in the first segment, being able to get there sober, right? Not needing a chemical to, to feel that. Um, I'm curious if you had a similar experience or what your particular version of, of that was. Oh, gosh. I think anxiety is a huge one. Addiction and anxiety go hand in hand. I think those of us that uh, are addicts or have been addicts and, and are in in our in recovery can really resonate with the idea of uh of anxiety mm -hmm. and in what it in what it does to us um you know some people say that so much of addiction is anxiety not all of it obviously but uh there is so much of uh, of that in there and you know i think about you know, anxiety is definitely part of my story. And, and the longer I get, the longer I've been sober, the more I actually realize how much of my story it was and sometimes still still is and still managing that. Um, but, you know, I have to say that, and maybe some of this comes with age too, Mark. I don't know. When The older you get, like you don't care as much. But uh, going and seeing music and, and, and dancing, because I have that same thing about, like who's watching me who's mm -hmm. gonna who's gonna make fun of me who's gonna like me um and especially on a dance floor where you know sometimes there's people what i'm gonna say gawking at you because that's not true but that was my feeling right that was my feeling of people really uh paying attention to who i was and what i was doing and i've come to realize like people actually really don't care <clears throat> they don't care as much as we think they do but you know I, not to go back to Burning Man all the time, but but you know when we go to when we go to that festival or we go to Burning Man and participate in that and we go sober, uh, it's what was so what's so great about it is it's already a place of um, wide acceptance and self expression and who do you want to be and how are you going to show up and how are you going to try this on and how are you going to try that on and i remember the first year i went was uh, i was i was probably two years sober um a little risky i'm you know even two years in it's a I, it's a pretty ballsy thing to do even two years sober um and it was one of the first times that i ever felt like I could do and be whoever I wanted. And, you know, it's in the, I have body, a body stuff absolutely as well. And here you are in the desert and it's 105 degrees outside. <laughs> and so you're not dressing to cover yourself up in totally. the desert, right? Uh, and, and so you are, are dressing, having to dress in this way, one, to express yourself and two, to make sure you're not going to go into a heat stroke. And so it's really combating like all of that stuff that I had uh, growing up. I have to tell you, that was one, probably one of the most healing. And I don't think I've ever thought about it until until now, but probably some of the most healing experiences of having to go and do that and be that and knowing that I can be whoever I wanted and nobody cared, and nobody cared. And it was just me showing up as me in my body and how I wanted to dress and be. And I could act any way that I wanted 
as well, you know, within reason I had to, I still have to work through some of that sometimes. Um, but like nobody's looking at you or watching you and everybody just loves you. Uh, and so that was such a good experience for me. Um, because I wasn't in these other situations where uh, people, it does feel like people are looking at you and judging you. It was uh, almost like a step, uh, some of the steps to be able to do that out in the real world as well, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, I had a similar experience of being there. And curious <laughs> you think about this, you know, at the time, I didn't really have like a wild self-expression. Right. I mean, I wore like a little bit of costumes and I had like a bunch of like kind of uh, desert gear. Um, but I remember I, I just it just flashed my mind. You were talking. I did this like uh, one one time I was there. I did this like midnight vigil at the temple where I was like, I'm going to spend all night here and just sit and meditate and be with it. I was, I was in the middle of like a grieving process and I'm just going to be all night there. If I have to sleep, I'll sleep. If I get up, I get up. Like I just want to be in this space. And I ended up staying up all night um, working through something. But at the at the end of that, I was walking out and it was the morning and the sunrise, which is just incredible in the desert, right? It's just like takes, it's like the sky's on fire. And I saw this, maybe the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my entire life, right? And he was dressed as like a metallic bird, okay? And he had like, just like these platinum wings and it was like they were huge and he had this like crazy headdress and it was all just like silver metallic just like glory you know and it was like reflecting the sun was reflecting off him the guy was like a freaking like star right mm. and I just like went up to him and I was like this is an incredible like you're an incredible person you know and he was like this is me Right. That's how he just responded. And that's all, all of our interactions. Right. That like on the inside, he felt like this bird. And I've I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm not that creative or maybe I still have some repression. I've never felt the need to like become a me metallic <laughs> bird, uh, but I sure as hell respected that man for doing it. It was it was glorious. I mean, it just hit me right at the right moment. And there's so many people like that that are able to just become something i don't even know what it is i'm curious your your thought like some aspect of themselves or an archetype or, or a dream i mean it's just the creativity of people is is wild there oh absolutely and i'm not one of those either i don't dress like metallic birds <laughs> uh but it's metallic birds either but like finding the way to express yourself and be who you want to be, I feel like is so important in, in sobriety, especially because we were this other thing for such a long time. And so who are we in reinventing ourselves mm -hmm. into? And uh, the, you know, the story comes to, comes to mind uh, for me, which isn't quite like that, but my, I have a friend that has um, a, a martini bar that he, pedals out into the deep playa into the middle of the desert and the you know at late at night and we, you set up this martini bar and it's this black tie event and uh it's this beautiful wonderful experience and uh because we were camping with him we we got to go be part of that and so here we are out in deep playa at midnight and um it, it's cold you know it's cold at yeah, night it's it really cold <laughs> <laughs> It's cold. It's cold at night. And, you know, there's these, we set up these beautiful tables, like the guy that has the bar, he's in a tux behind the bar. Uh, and, you know, some of us are wait staff and people come in one at a time and you sit them down with people they don't really know and they have a martini with them. And we all got to pick these roles that we wanted to be like, where do we want to work? And I wanted to be the door person. Nice. Which for me is, I mean, if you know me at all, at all, I'm not the most um, outgoing person in the world. I'm, you know, I'm a kind of a little introverted, sort of. Uh, but I got to be this role of this sassy, um, talkative, personable uh, person that gets to decide who gets to come into this bar and not come into this bar bar if you will um of course for me i i i want everybody to come into the bar so <laughs> you let everybody in 
I saw that everybody and of, of course because we're inclusive uh but it was like this it was this this role of somebody that I am I'm not typically I mean yes I do like everybody and I want everybody to come into the bar but it's like this person that you get to sit and talk to and have these meaningful relationships with as a, a bounce a bouncer I like to call myself the bar bouncer which is hilarious and then I get to kick people out because people were sitting at their tables too long and I'm like you need to get the you know, you need to get out because more people need to come in and sit and have their drinks, you know, and it is so as I got to play with this identity of who, who I am, or who I could be, and show up in a way without with knowing that these people aren't going to judge me, and I was just going to have fun, you know, and, and be in relationship with people and, uh, and and have people be in relationship with each other and it was it was such a good memory uh that really sticks out in my head because i really i was really showing up as somebody else uh in this idea of who i could be in the world i think that's huge and i think that is a big part of uh being sober is redefining yourself and something that that i hearing what you're saying that was at least true for me was switching from like a consuming lifestyle to producing lifestyle right and consuming whether that be trying to consume you know drugs and alcohol or food or just experiences or other people or just like getting taking 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 that was so much of me when i was you know a user to producing and i think i think we share this um, I love hosting and I love creating experiences for people. And I love, you know, running Dungeons and Dragons or having a board game night or planning out a trip for somebody or taking somebody camping, right? Like I love being the host and giving. And I feel like Burning Man, and I don't have as much experience as, as you do, but that's such a big part of that culture is just gifting and giving and creating experiences for people and that being the reward in of itself, not needing payment or not needing like any kind of real reciprocity. You just need, you just want people to show up and have fun and be open-minded, you know? Absolutely. And I would say majority of the people that are there, that is exactly how it is. Uh, it really is like, how do you give of yourself without expecting anything back? And I absolutely agree with you because when I was using, uh, it was all about me right? It's all about me and what's going to bring me happiness or what's going to uh, serve me the most or um, and without always necessarily thinking about how we're affecting other, how we're affecting other people. And I know I just, at, at this stage of the game, I just want to be a good person and I, I want to give to the world and I want to give to my friends and I want to give to my business. And I, I want to um, be and have relationship with people that they can really feel good about themselves. Yeah. I find it's, it's a lot more rewarding, you know, and it's definitely part of that 12 step, right. Of like being of service, um, but doing it from a place of, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I think just from gratitude or from a place of abundance, you know, not from yeah wanting something back or not from like being a martyr. I think some people can misinterpret as like, oh, I'm going to suffer to give to other people. But I think it's so much about like filling up my own cup so much that it overflows into other people's cups. Oh, that's so well said. That's so well said because it's, it is true. If we can't be giving to other people if we don't give to, our, to ourselves, Right. We can't, it's like the, put the oxygen mask on, on you first, because if you aren't giving to yourself, uh, not in a selfish way, but just really to take care of you and your wants and your needs, like you really can't give to anybody else. You can't. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we can maybe for a little while, but we can't sustain that. We really have to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And I think it comes with, uh, you know, secret agendas, right? If you're giving from a, a empty place or a place of scarcity, then there's a, there's an ask there, right? It's like, I'm going to give you this, but you better validate me or you better like date me or you better like, you know, never leave me, right? It comes with this kind of cloyingness that unfortunately people can detect. And I think it turns them off, you know, it turns them away when it, when there's like a secret, there's like a knife inside the cake, you know, it's mm -hmm. not a pure gift. Right. And they can feel it. A lot I of think the they time. can definitely people, feel it. People can feel it for sure. Yeah, they can definitely feel it. So as we move into our final commercial break here, um, when we come back, 
let's do, I want to talk directly to the listeners about people that are interested in either experimenting, going to a party sober, maybe they are sober and they want to go out. Um, some tips, some tricks, things that you've learned that we've learned throughout our experience. So if you're listening and you want some uh, practical advice, stay tuned through the commercial and we'll catch you on the other side. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C, dash, azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot, teachable, dot com. Are you disenchanted by the saccharine-laced stories that you were told when you were younger? Behind every success, there is a hidden journey filled with triumph and defeat. On From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay, you'll hear about the challenges that our guests had to overcome to become the successful people that they are today. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. So in our final segment here, I want to talk about just practical tips and tricks, right? For people that maybe want to be sober for a night at a party and see what that's like, or maybe people that are sober and want to get more into the party scene or more into, you know, the the music scene, um, things that have helped us uh, throughout, you know, throughout our lives and maybe some, some resources for people. And I, I will kick it off. So what's helped me a lot. So I'm, you know, for those listeners, I don't know if you know how old I am. I'm like 31, right? So I'm in my early 30s. And that's helpful. That's been helpful because a lot of my friends are more, at least respectful of my sobriety. Most of my friends are not sober, to be clear. Like my girlfriend is sober, but almost everyone in my life is not sober at all, right? And that's a choice that I've made um, because I like they like to do fun stuff, you know? And there's not <laughs> many sober people in their early 30s. It was a lot harder in my 20s. Maybe I'll talk about that in a future thing. But all that to say is I found being really clear about my boundaries to be critical. So for instance, I just went to visit a friend's um, a couple months ago now in San Francisco, and we're going to one of these underground rave things that goes on till, you know, 4am. And what I told them is, hey, I want to go to the party. I want to dance like my, my drink is Red Bull, similar to your husband, right? I'm going to drink some Red Bull. I'm happy to drive or do any of like the safety precaution stuff. But if we get to the after party, and it's just a bunch of people sitting around a table doing coke, I'm going to leave, right? Like I want to go to the event, but I will not go to an after party because those after party events for me, I mean, it's not triggering. I mean, I've been sober for a decade, but it's just boring. Quite frankly, it's just boring because everyone is on their own wavelength. And at that point, everyone's so messed up that I can't connect. It's just not fun for me. I end up feeling very lonely. And usually by the time the after party hits, I'm ready to go home because I'm tired, <laughs> you know, because I've been dancing, hopefully harder than everyone else there. Um, so being really clear about those boundaries and having friends that understand that and are not offended by that, right? That aren't like, oh my God, you got to go. We you know we're, but, uh, Uber's leaving. Everyone's got to go. I'm like, you know what? Like we just danced for like six hours. Like I'm, I'm good with that. Um, and setting that up ahead of time was, I think, very helpful. Um, 
Because in that event, you know, the after party happened and a couple of my friends were like, hey, you mentioned that you didn't want to go to this. Like, I also don't want to go to this. Can we just like go back to our Airbnb? And I'm like, absolutely. And then the other half went to the after party. And that's, you know, that's fine too. But having that clear communication was helpful. Um, what, what tip would you give people? I think that's a really good, uh, a really good tip, uh, stating your boundaries up front and making sure that whoever you're going to go out with is going to respect those boundaries. Yeah. And not going with people that aren't going to respect those boundaries. So it's good to have those conversations uh, on in the for, in the beginning, uh, even uh, w- with no matter who it is that you're going out with. You know, um, and you're way better than I. I can't do the after parties. <laughs> I can't. But you know, I do. We do the same thing. Uh, there's no like. Well, one, we don't go. But if two, if we do, like part of our rules are uh, even for just going out in general are when we say we want to go. Uh, that means we want to go. That means we're going to leave, uh, and we tell our our te- we tell our friends that. So it's very clear. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna go with us, or if you're gonna drive with us, uh, if we say we're gonna go, then I need you to respect that. I don't want to get into the please stay. We really want you to yeah, stay. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, it's it's really terrible. And and I remember actually being like that when I was <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> you want to keep the party going, right? You want to oh. keep it keep it rolling forever. Absolutely. And I wanted everybody to go down with me, right? Everybody to party as hard as I did. And so why are you leaving? And honestly, that just, I think about it now. And it was really probably because I I was uncomfortable with my own amount of use. Mm -hmm. And I wanted other people to be with me in that. But so, but other tips and tricks, um, the boundaries is a good one. Like I said, is always having a, a car or an exit plan. Um, and when you do go somewhere, you're at a bar, you're at a club, you're at a, a, a at a Burning Man <laughs> or a festival, making sure that you know how you can get back to a safe place. You know, maybe knowing where the exits are, how you get out, um, making sure that you can get if you don't drive that you can get the bus or you can get an Uber or Lyft or something like that, you know, ride share. Um, or that the other person that did drive that they're on board with you uh, with leaving when you want to leave. I think that's really, really important. Um, some other tips and tricks are uh, even even sometimes having a, a, a maybe a soft curfew for yourself in understanding uh, at what point in the fun or the party, what are you gonna be looking for that tells you it's time to go? Um, For me, it tends to be people falling all over the place. If people are bumping into me on a regular, it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because that's a really good sign that uh, pe- things are starting to get a little out of hamper, at least for what makes me comfortable. I even know my husband, uh, very recently we went somewhere and, and it, it's been COVID. So we haven't been able to go out quite as much. And the, people kept bumping into him and he just kept, he was like, why is everybody bumping into me? <laughs> oh, right. Because people are, people are using or drinking. Um, too much. So I think that's really important of knowing what your limits are and uh, paying attention to how you feel about those limits, especially in the moments. Um, I think we all have those. Some things sometimes being out can just be a- annoying when people are too messed up. So um, so the exits, the taxis, the um, knowing your limits, and then um, making sure that you always have enough uh, money even cash or a mm-hmm. debit card, mm-hmm. uh, I think is really important because if you do have to, if you do have to get out, making sure that you can do that, you know, pay for a taxi or, uh, an Uber, you have to have check, you have to have money in your checking account to be able to pay for an Uber <laughs> or a credit card. So, um, let's see, what other tricks do you have? Yeah, I think those are really good. I, uh, one thing I'd put out is to put a bug in people's ear is that, Many of these music festivals, and I know Burning Man in particular, and a couple of big artists have sober community within them, you know? So I actually got a chip from Burning Man. Like there are AA meetings at Burning Man. That's you know, right. um, I think the Bass Nectar community, I'm going to, I think they're called the Hummingbird to the Bluebirds, but there's like literally a sober group within the Bass Nectar community, um, similar to other big, you know, 
uh, artists or even some venues. You know, when I'm at a music festival, there's usually an organization, at least in Colorado, called Dance Safe, which is there to, you know, test drugs and which is cool. They test drugs without police involvement. Um, they also help people come down if they're having a bad trip, but they also offer sober safe spaces for people. Um, I know in Colorado, there's an organization called Sober AF, Sober as Fuck Entertainment. Um, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, which they're yeah. phenomenal. Um, we're going to have Duke probably on the show at some point, but there are organizations that a quick Google search can really make a big difference. If there is, if you do find yourself needing support or, you know, look, if you're a young person like I was and you just want to find other sober people, that I've found is the hardest part is finding other sober people that are okay, comfortable and confident partying that still want to do it. Um, these type of organizations can be great ways to just meet those people. Whether or not you participate in AA or, or not, I don't to think it really matters. But if you find other sober peers to do these things with, I think that can be really, really strong, especially if you're younger and, and you're, you're newer to it, you know, having the power of the group instead of just doing it alone. Right. Well, you know, and, and kind of on that note, I think it's also important that if you're getting ready to go out and you're going to this event and something happens for you that you're not feeling solid, that you actually feel okay about canceling your plans. Yeah. Well, you know, we can all get into that place of like, oh, I don't want to disappoint anybody or somebody's going to be mad if I back out. Like what's more important is that we're able to stay sober and, and drug free and that we really feel solid uh, before we before we go out. Like that's imperative. Like you can't go out if you're feeling a little wobbly about your sobriety. It would be a better idea for you to call somebody and say, hey, I know we were supposed to go see this music tonight. And if you want to go, awesome. But I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to step out tonight. And if you want to come over and have dinner with me and watch a movie, I'd be psyched for you to do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so being confident in, in yourself enough that it's okay for you to do those types of things. That's a, that's a, that's a big tip and trip, uh, tip and trick for people, especially uh, in earlier, earlier sobriety, but there's still t times that I don't want to go out. And I say, I'm going to, because maybe, you know, maybe everybody at work really made me mad today. For sure. Because <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> you know, that happens all the time. And I just don't, I, you know, I just need my, my space and my time to not have to worry about uh, have an added thing of like being around a bunch of people that are really messed up. Cause that's not fun. It's really not fun. Uh, if you're not in the right headspace. Yeah, it's really not right fun. It, it can be quite lonely, I found, right? Mm -hmm. Because the conversation just doesn't hit, right? It's like, oh, you're not, you're actually not understanding anything I'm saying. And I'm understanding anything you're saying. So we're just kind of missing each other. Mm -hmm. um, I think being okay with that and learn, again, find sober community, I think is really critical. Um, mm -hmm. what, else, what else was I going to say? Oh, I was saying picking events strategically this is a mistake mm -hmm. that I made is like not going to event that centers around alcohol, right? So like a beer tasting or a wine tasting or like a whiskey or like a bar crawl, right? Or like any of that stuff. I mean, I did that as a, when I was in early sobriety, cause that's, I was in Pittsburgh and a lot of Pittsburgh nightlife is bar crawls or like beer pong or like, you know, like college stuff. Right. Um, and I was like, wow, I don't, late with any of this. So I think, you know, similar to you, I found music to be a really great one. I found any, any kind of show or act to be a fantastic one where I can focus on that. I will always prefer going to a restaurant over going to a bar, you know, so really finding activities that have like anything else going on, right? If there's, mm -hmm. even if you're at a bar, like maybe there's like a bar game, there's darts or there's shuffleboard or there's pool, like there's just like something to do that isn't just sitting around and drinking. Um, right. You know, I think bars are kind of, boring environments if you're sober, right? Because there isn't there isn't a lot of entertainment or anything to do there. Um, so really trying to be strategic about where you go. Um, and it might, you might go somewhere new. I mean, there's like a really cool place in Denver. I'm blanking on the name of it now, but it's like a mini golf bar, right? So it's like, hey, even if your friends are drinking, you can go play some putt-putt, right? I mean, like there's just have going to places where there's something that, that will be entertaining and fun that doesn't involve drinking is, is critical. And it can help keep you busy. You know, it can give you something to do, like you were saying, something to do with your hands, something like a role to play, um, even if you're not comfortable just standing around drinking, you know? Right, right. Well, you know, and picking your friends wisely, 
Like picking mm-hmm. your friends wisely is really is is important. And uh, I'm like you. I don't have. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have any sober friends to tell you the truth. Right. I know there's just not a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, there's there's really not. But they all respect my sobriety, mm-hmm. and they all respect my husband's sobriety. And so they are are never going to try to influence us to do something different. You know, and uh, they're not going to go out and be and get completely shit faced. Am I allowed to say that? Sorry. Yeah, no, you <laughs> Comple- can curse. Yeah. Okay, completely wasted. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I also do with my friends too is if I don't hang out with a bunch of people that do a, a lot of drugs, but it happens every now and then. You know, people smoke weed or um, or or whatnot. I actually always ask them to tell me. Um, if we're going out together, which uh, it might be a little, maybe it's just too controlling Mark, but I like, I don't want to go out with my friends and then notice something's up. Um, and, and the connection seems weird. And then later I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh, they're on, they're on edibles. For me, that feels really important, um, Mm -hmm. to, to know that going into it. Cause that way also I can make a choice for myself. You know, if somebody's going to go out and do Molly or somebody's going to drop acid or something like that, then I feel like my choice, uh, uh, partly my choice has been taken away on if I get to take, if I get, if I'm going to hang out with them or not. So having those honest conversations with your friends about what is, is happening with what they're going to be doing and what their night's going to be looking like. Yeah. And I I might not, I I don't. Right. I don't want to go out with people that are like dropping acid. Not, not typically, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but that's fine too. I don't judge it, but um, you know, maybe I don't want to do that for the night. So having, picking your friends, picking your friends, I think it's smart. Yeah. I think it's really critical. So as we're wrapping up here, Victoria, can you tell people a little bit about expand about yourself, about where they could find you if they want to learn more. Um, will, will your mentors go to concerts with their clients? Is it something that you could offer? We could. It hasn't ever it hasn't ever happened, um, but but we could if somebody's needing the sobriety support and uh, the families are okay with it. Absolutely. So, uh, the, the name of my business is Expand Mentoring. We've been in business since two thousand and. Of about 2014, and we're a group of therapeutic mentors that work with young people. Uh, you know, as as young as age 10, 11, and we've had as as old as age 65. That with people that are just really needing support out in the community um, and help doing things in in the world that maybe they're having a hard time breaking the barrier of taking the next steps in their life. So I can be found at expandmentoring.com. Uh, we're in Boulder. We work in Boulder, Louisville, Lafayette, Longmont type area. Awesome. Well, so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. And for those listeners, uh, join us next week for another episode of From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.